The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and to continue our series of previewing and acknowledging the NFL Draft, we have yet another guest joining us. This time we have Emery Hunt, who is a college football analyst and draft analyst for a number of different sources, and he's going to be taking some time to talk to us about some of the things that we didn't touch upon when we spoke to Ben Solak in our previous episode on Tuesday. How are you doing today, Emery? I'm doing fine, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking uh, the time out of your, your busy schedule. We know <laughs> we know how busy you are with all the um, different things that, that you're, you do in the media. So we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about the NFL Draft. Kind of going right on into it, we one of the things that we were we were wondering about, and we wanted to take some more time to discuss because we know fans are definitely wondering about it. Is going in deep on this receiver class. Receiver is a need, not a major pressing one, but there is a clear lack of playmakers at the receiver position for the Giants. Emery, how early do you think that they should approach taking one? You know that that's a good question. Um, what I like that they have in place is a great teacher at the position in Tyke Tobert, who's a fantastic receivers coach. I think the best receivers coach in the NFL. So whomever they bring in, they're going to be able to get him up to speed right away. And so when you look at that aspect of it, I think they can wait a little bit before getting someone that, you know, uh, to help them out. You know, there's probably a more pressing need maybe on a defensive side of the ball, but you're right. Wide receiver is a huge area of concern for the Giants because you can't really depend on Sterling Shepard, who is fantastic, but he has these injury concerns and, more importantly, those concussions that you worry about. You know, Golden Tate is, is, a, is a veteran, uh, but everywhere else there are some questions about the receiving core. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them go maybe second round. They could legitimately look at a receiver unless a guy – like a Jerry Judy, if he enters, falls to them, then I think that would be someone that you take. Or maybe a C.D. Lamb, that's someone you could take. Those two guys I think would be you know, ideal fits for New York uh, because you have a quarterback in Daniel Jones who tends to hold the football long, and to help him get rid of the football quickly, you want to get catch-and-run guys. And, and guys like Judy and Lamb, or, and, and obviously some others, but those who initially, to me, jump out as – your quintessential catch-and-run guys that could do things at the catch. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Emery. I think you can make an excellent argument for 
Judy or Lamb at the top of the draft if the Giants decide to go there. And Dave Gettleman does have a history of drafting skill position players highly. He drafted Kelvin, uh, Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, Curtis Samuel. He is not afraid to go for skill position guys in the first or second round. And to me, those two guys, Judy and Lamb, they definitely stand out. Yeah, I think you could also make the argument for guys at the second round because the Giants don't currently have a third round pick. So it's either the second round or fourth round right now. It's very apparent that this draft class at the receiver position is super deep. There's a ton of guys that could spill into the third or fourth round that could be develop into contributors and good players. Uh, it continues to swirl around that this might be one of the more talented receiver classes that we've seen in the past uh, you know, five or so years. Emery, are there any names that might come to mind, um, not so much in the first round, but in that second or third round range that, that would be a nice fit? I mean, if you look at the type of receivers that they tend to like, um, let's just look at it from the prism of Cody Latimer and Benny Fowler, right? These bigger receivers that that can definitely get downfield. I, I would look at Minnesota's wide receiver, Tyler Johnson, being in that mold. And he would should be available in you know in that second round area where they can have potentially him on the board when they select and take him. So I, I like what he brings to the table. He's a big bodied guy that uh, knows how to score the football, which is huge. Something that they definitely need. So they give you a, a you know gives you a red zone threat, um, someone that can convert third downs. Uh, so I think that player particular because he fits a, a mold and what they already have on the roster would be an ideal fit. Johnson is. Definitely an intriguing guy. He should probably be there when they pick in the second round. Because the Giants do like, and Dave Gettleman definitely like, bigger bodies pretty much everywhere. I'm kind of looking at guys like Colin Johnson out of Texas, you know, 6'6", 220. That's at least what I'm seeing him listed as. That definitely fits the big body mold, who's kind of the opposite of what the Giants have in Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, and to a, a certain extent, Darius Slayton. And then also, I'm a fan of Brian Edwards at South Carolina. I loved Debo Samuel coming out last year, and Edwards is a great complement to that kind of receiver. He has the ability to win contested catches, but he also has the ability to get himself open. And again, just a bigger body guy who can kind of bully defensive backs at the line of scrimmage. I think another player, and we're, we're, we've been all saying the same and thinking the same thing here, is that Dave Gettleman really likes selecting bigger receivers he's had a tendency of drafting guys like that Kelvin Benjamin Devin Funches are the two people that really um, come to mind Um, but another kind of guy that fits that mold that will probably be in that third to fourth second round range would be Chase Claypool from Notre Dame six foot four 220 pounds or so he's pretty fast he's athletic Overall, I think he does fit that that criteria, and he also might, might have a bit of a rise in his draft stock when the process is all said and done. So another position group that has shown a lot of weakness because they have some older players like Antoine Bethea at it is the safety position and also overall issues with the secondary. Do you think that they should make an investment in adding an additional piece to the secondary in the draft? That's that is definitely an area of concern, especially when you factor in the youth around those guys. So you bring in three corners uh, this past draft with Ballantyne Love and, and Baker. 
And I think they envision Love being more of a safety. So maybe that's the transition. They wanted to get him up to speed this year to where he can play a lot, but that hasn't been the case as the transition has been a little bit tough for him um, because he'd never played safety before. He's played predominantly in the slot. Um, so they're trying to find ways to get him some, you know, get him acclimated. Uh, but I do think that opens the door outside for Ballantyne to step in as one starter with Baker being the other starter. And they love Grant Haley. Maybe he could be that slot guy uh, longer than, than uh, this past season. Um, and Love can then be that free safety. So if they want to protect themselves by getting another guy back there at free safety, I think they probably will go more veteran than rookie. But, you know, if you look at the first round, Delpit is a guy that – you know, could be in the mix at that position. You know, he has some range, has some athleticism. Uh, but I, I think for them, going uh, veteran at that position uh, will probably be where they go because you don't have too many young guys on the back end, especially one at essentially a quarterback position at your, at your free safety. Yeah, the, the Giants do seem to really want a safety, a free safety who has that cornerback skill set, you know, you know they originally wanted Dominique Rogers Cromartie to transition to free safety and also take a pay cut, which he objected to, and he was then cut. They tried the Curtis Riley experiment. That didn't work out so well. They're trying to transition Love to free safety. I sometimes wonder if Grant Haley might not be a good candidate to play safety because he is great going downhill, especially for a corner. You'd never see him make a business business decision or anything like that. Great tackler, great coming downhill. But that seems to be a skill set they want at the position. But they do also need a, a free safety who is a good functional free safety. Delpit's definitely at the top of the class. I, I don't know that there's really any kind of uh, any kind of dispute about that. There are you know a few others. You know, Xavier McKinney from Alabama stands out. Ashton Davis at California is kind of an interesting guy. I'm kind of there with Emory again, y'all. I'm not sure after how much the Giants have invested in a youth movement at the secondary, can they continue to do so? Yeah, they do need at least some established guys there who really know what they're doing and have done it at the NFL level. Yeah, it really looks like the best situation for them is to avoid drafting additional younger pieces early in the secondary because of how much draft capital they spent last season. And also, if you include trading for Jabril Peppers, the amount of moves that they made to add to the secondary, I I think that they're going to at least spend some time and, and see how it's going to develop before they make that decision to either move on from people or add some additional pieces. So up next, we're going to discuss some of the lesser known guys that you might not be hearing about or be seeing as often in the primetime college football games. But before we do that, we're going to take a very brief commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, and we're back. And as you may be able to tell, I am not Joe, but that's because we have decided to change things up a little bit. As longtime listeners of this podcast are probably aware, when the opportunity arises, we like to take a look at some aspects of the game that generally don't get as much uh, don't get as much talk, you know, but in the media at large. In particular, we tend to go on special teams rants, mostly because as long snapper, Joe is a special team specialist. We happen to have with us Emery Hunt, who does a lot of work looking at football at all levels, and that includes a lot of lesser-known players, guys who don't get that kind of national buzz until maybe right before the draft. So now, I just want to turn Joe and Emery loose and let them talk about guys who are maybe a little flying a little bit below the radar, guys at the FCS level, and maybe guys who could or should interest the Giants on the de- on the third day of the draft. Well, I mean, I know I know you play for uh, Rhode Island, so there's two guys out there for the Rams. First of all, shout out to Jim Fleming, man. It's, it's one of my favorite interviews was with Coach Fleming. He's an amazing guy, uh, and I'm glad he had the success last year. Obviously, you guys struggled a little bit this season, but last year I was happy to see him break through and have that success with the Rams. But um, I do a lot of Morgan State games, and I've always said this on every broadcast that I've been on uh, for their game, that they had the best linebacking core in the MEAC, and all of their linebackers are built the same way. And if you look at the Giants team, uh, they definitely help inside backer, in my opinion, and that's been a sore spot for them. So they have guys that fit the mold of this new age linebacking core. We're talking about Ian McBurrow of Morgan State, 6'2", 225. You're talking about Rico Kennedy, who's one of the more polished guys at the position, 6'2", 235. You also talk about Malachi Washington, another guy that's probably more along the lines of Josiah Tauefa, you know, a pass rusher type, but um, those are some underrated linebackers. But if you're looking at receivers, staying with Morgan State, Menashe Bailey has been a guy that has starting to, to to garner some some attention later on. He had back to back big games against James Madison and also Army that put the NFL on radar, and they've been a ton of scouts heading out to Baltimore to check him out. And he's a guy that plays all special teams, also has a uh, background in, in uh, returning kicks. He blocks punts as well and has been a touchdown maker in the passing game and I think can play all three receiver spots. So those are some of the guys from from that Morgan State team. But if you're looking at, let's say, an underrated, uh, you know, under (laughs) uh, talked about player, um, you know, that that could be in play for the Giants. And let's say what they need, a a safety or someone like that or someone that can play – you know, multiple spots. How about Legarius Sneed? I know he's not an FCS player, but he plays at La Tech. He's on the Senior Bowl watch list. But having watched him play last weekend at Marshall, um, he's a free safety now, but he's a former corner. He's in his first year as a free safety, and he plays that position really well. So not only does he he give you the opportunity to 
put him out there on a perimeter matchup one-on-one, uh, but he is a, a, technically a free safety. So you talked about it earlier, looking for a guy that, you know, plays the safety position like a corner, which can be tricky because corners tend to bite on everything and you need to have a little bit of patience back there at free safety. Sneed is one that could be an interesting target uh, for the Giants later on in the draft. So I, I think um, another player that you, you touched on a ton of guys, but somebody that's really starting to increase in notoriety. And when we say some of the lesser known players, I, I guarantee by the time of the, the NFL season is over with, he will be very well known. And that's Kyle Duggar from uh, Lenoir Rhine. And he is really seeing a huge increase in his draft stock because of the rare um, physical attributes that he has. He's, he's 6'1", 220, extremely fast. He's playing at a Division II school, but he fits that, that need that you'll have at, in a safety that can play multiple positions. If, if you want to use him in a nickel or a dime package, you can because he is that athletic. And going along with uh, essentially filling along with the, the safety discussion, Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, another player that's big and rangy and quick, who's 6'2", about 215 right now, long-bodied safety. You don't really see a lot of size from safeties like that, which is why a lot of talent evaluators consider him to be um, you know, so useful and unique that they can use him in multiple situations because of his size. But you know, going in line with uh, two people that I, I kind of have to talk about because of my connection with them is uh, Aaron Parker and and Kyle Murphy from Rhode Island. You know, this isn't me trying to um, gas up and, and provide uh, a little bit of um, of a nudge in their direction, but they're seeing a huge increase in their draft stock. It continues to rise, and I'm sure you can attest to that, Emery. Um, Aaron Parker basically went from an undrafted guy that didn't have a lot of attention around him to being in a draftable position. And just recently, Kyle Murphy, who is an interior offensive lineman who's played every single position along the offensive line in his time at Rhode Island, recently just accepted a Shrine Bowl invite. So that's really important. There's a lot of talk of him. If he has a really good Shrine Bowl week, he could potentially get invited to the Senior Bowl if he doesn't end up getting outright invited to it. So somebody like Murphy, Kyle Murphy, is very key to keep an eye on because he is a depth developmental guy that can play multiple positions along the offensive line. If you need him to come in and play center, he can. If you need him to play guard, you can. And then even in a pinch, he can also play offensive tackle. Yeah, and you look at uh, South Carolina State too. I know Alex Taylor is the tackle that's going to the Senior Bowl, uh, but his teammate, um, you know, has been has been outstanding, and that's. Paul McKeever. Now, McKeever is an interesting case because he was up front defensively last year a lot and was disruptive. This year, he's playing a little bit both. Sometimes he'll play on the offensive side. Sometimes he'll play on the defense. So they're trying to figure out if he's going to be, you know, uh, Javon Hargrave or Rashad Coward, you know, as far as like being on whether he's going to be a pro D tackle or be a, a pro offensive lineman. But South Carolina State, giving props to Buddy Pugh for what he has done with that program. Um, and you play in the CAA. I mean, you, you talk about uh, Robinson out there, James Madison, the corner, um, guys that find the football. You also talk about Feimster out there at uh, – Feimster and Daniel Jones uh, out there at Richmond, two bigger safety-slash-corner types, uh, 6'4 and 6'3 respectively, 
that can get out there and match up but are also very good in the run game. So there's some talent at the FCS level, I mean, to be completely honest. I'll be on the broadcast for uh, the FCS National Bowl, FCS Bowl and also National Bowl this December and down in Daytona Beach. So, you know, you'll get a good look at some more FCS talent in addition to what I'll see at the College Gridiron Showcase and also the Tropical Bowl uh, this January. So it's, it's always fun this time of year. Um, as I'm making my broadcasting rounds and and you know compiling my list of guys to to start to dive into late December throughout January and February before formulating my grades, it's always good to see guys that um, that you see during the season start to get on the list of of these uh, you know pro evaluators and um, you know become the talk of the the national landscape is always good to see. Yeah, definitely. And to me, one of the best parts of the draft and draft prep is not so much looking at the top guys. I mean, evaluating Chase Young is easy. The guy is a freak. I am still not entirely sure he is human. But when you get down to the day three guys, the guys who are playing at the FCS level, guys not many people who have heard of, but you get a chance to watch them, you're able to dig up some tape, and wow, they're actually really good. These are NFL players. For me, finding those guys is one of the best parts of all of this. And one of the things that has really interested me, just stepping away from the draft in particular, is how many of these, I'll use Joe's term, long-bodied safeties are starting to crop up. I think, you know, we talked about how the Giants are looking for free safety with a cornerback skill set. I think the NFL in general is starting to look for maybe guys who blur the lines between strong safety, weak side linebacker, just all to try to counter the spread concepts that are bubbling up from the college ranks. Yeah, I think when you look at at the high school level, um, this is why you see what you see at the FCS level. Uh, you know, you, you see guys coming out of high school that may be tall, skinny, wide receivers, right? Uh, but not as fast as the, you know, power five D one guys. So those guys end up transitioning into your tight ends and they grow into their bodies, fill out their frames to become these athletic flex tight ends like the giants have on the roster and Isaiah Seawright, you know? And so you look at the corners, maybe these corners are a step slow, but guy has good instincts, um, decent range, but maybe can't run with these power five D one wide receivers. So they move him to safety. He goes to an FCS program, develops, and plays for the same coach for four years, getting the same message for four to five years from that same coach and staff, allowed to grow into his body, uh, get that nutrition, strength and conditioning program, and develops into a player. You know, and you see that a lot, to be honest. Um, uh, when I was in college, my freshman year, uh, our freshman class also had Ike Taylor and Charles Tillman in it. And so – I came in as a running back and was a tremendous running back too, by the way. Uh, and Tillman was a receiver. They moved him over to the cornerback position and he slowly started to develop into a lockdown corner to where his sophomore season, they stopped throwing his way. Then we had to put him back at safety so he can get around the football and he made plays in that realm as well as a junior. So I think when you look at um, how guys are going into the into college and how they're developing is why you're starting to see this uptick in, in the type of players you're, you're starting to see. Yeah, in a lot of cases for these players, you pointed out some of them come in a bit undersized and they're 
just need some more time to develop and they end up at these smaller schools even if it's not FCS some of them might end up you know in the MAC or in Conference USA if they have a little bit more talent than those FCS guys but once they develop and they really hit that peak they start to dominate and then eventually we'll see um, rises in draft stock as as big as we saw with Titus Howard last year from Alabama State or uh, comparative to Darius Leonard, who came from South Carolina State. So th- there's talent to be had in these smaller schools, which was very, very important uh, in, uh, in us acknowledging and, and, and digging up some of these lesser-known names that eventually could develop into some seriously talented guys in the NFL. Yeah, you see, I mean, and the, the trip part is you see guys, um, you know, let's say like a um, – oh, man, I forgot the kid's name, but – he played at he played at Grambling. He was a guy that came in as you know a, a defensive end, and they moved him over to receiver, and he became you know a really good good receiver and had a cup of coffee uh, in some camps, and now you know he's in, in Canada. Same thing happened to Menashe Bailey. Bailey came. He played basketball all throughout high school until his senior year. Played football. Came into Morgan State as a linebacker, and now is you know an NFL prospect as a wide receiver. So. It, it happens, man. So as you can tell, though, folks, there are a lot of guys that you might not be fully aware of now, but by the time the draft process is all said and done, or even when it begins, you'll start to hear these names more and more frequently from us and from other potential guests that we continue to have on during that offseason process. Thank you to Emery for taking the time to talk to us and giving uh, his, his insight on some of these FCS prospects and some of the lesser known guys. But that's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And also follow us on Twitter at BigBlueView. And also follow Chris and I at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. And also follow Chris at Raptor, M-K-I-I. Finally, if you want to follow Emery on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at FBallGamePlan. Thank you for tuning in, folks.